This is the Drink 5 Fantasy Football Podcast. Today is Tuesday, September 1st, and this show is the Wide Receiver Preseason Breakdown. Too great, dude. Alright, welcome to another uh, show, Dave. I'll welcome you first and ask you what you were drinking, sir. I'm already here. We always do that here on the Drink 5 fantasy football podcast you don't have to welcome me it's all about those people listening on the outside world trying to get all right i figured we would have a conversation for once trying to get a glimpse of our fantasy football knowledge but if you want we can sit here and have a talk about our beers i am drinking a uh a craft beer established in milwaukee in 1844 called paps blue ribbon Mm, i like that beer very rare beer you can only uh buy them like uh 20 or 12 or 30 at a time you can't even just get one (laughs) Yeah, it's next to impossible to only get one or two at a time. <laughs> so uh, I've got it from the Chicago Beer Company, which I hadn't heard of, and I was sort of uh, figuring it was a... Um, well, the Chicago Beer Company is based in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, which isn't even like over the border. It's way far up there. Anyways, this is the Bean IPA, India Pale Ale, of course. Um, it is uh, all right for an IPA. I don't know if I'll be uh, buying it again. But hey, it's it's beer, and beer is always you know much better than most things. That's very informative, sir. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm not going to give it like a stellar review if I don't think so much of it. Fair enough. So you said today's uh, podcast is about the uh, preseason wide receivers, right? That's right. Um, so you know, wide receivers are probably the position that you have the most of, right? It is uh, most leagues, at least Yahoo standard leagues, they start three wide receivers. Um, you know, a lot of times in flex, you want to use a wide receiver. Uh, some leagues are based around, you know, point per touch or point per reception. Um, and that is, you know, something that changes the dynamic of receivers entirely. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about basically standard leagues when we give you rankings and when we give you stats and stuff like that. Uh, we will specify if it's PPR. Otherwise, just assume that it's just standard uh you know, rankings. So let me ask you, did you watch uh, the games that were on this past weekend? The, uh, that'd be week three preseason games? Caught a few of them. Caught a few more on replay. Not too much, though. Did you have any uh, uh, comments about any anything you might have seen while uh, while those games were going on? Um, you know, just looking at a lot of the stat lines, it looks like, um, as you would expect, when the teams are sort of more focused on doing everything like they would do in a real game... Uh, the people who you expected to do very well did well. You know, Roethlisberger and Romo both had really good games. Uh, the Eagles' offense was freaking crazy. They were really good. Yeah, there's still that thing, though, you know, that thing about preseason where everyone's just not playing at their, their super sharpest ability. So it's almost like it's a little too easy for those good offenses to really just take off. Um, if they're trying their hardest, it seems like nobody else really really is against them. However, uh, maybe it is really that we're seeing the Steelers and the Eagles offenses just step up into the top maybe five of the NFL. I mean, that could definitely be a possibility as well. Uh, a lot of times during the regular season, you watch teams and, and you think that they're going to play hard and they look like they're just dogging it out there. 
Yeah, and I think that uh, early in the season, like you're saying, offenses do have an advantage. You know, the defenses need time to uh, get things on tape to look at what people are doing this year in order to figure out how to play them. Uh, sometimes early in the season, they can really, you know, catch you off guard. Yeah, so again, if you just tune in, this is the Drink 5 Fantasy Football Podcast, and uh, we're doing the wide receiver show. And I think the thing it's important to go over before we talk about the wide receivers themselves, since it's based on our rankings, which you can go check it out on our website at drink5.com or fantasypros.com under Drink 5, uh, is is not exactly how we do our rankings, because that's a trade secret, right? Of course. Um, but... Uh, sort of how we do our rankings. So uh, the, in the most basic level uh, that we're going to tell you, uh, basically what we'll do is we'll take those guys and determine how many points they're getting like every time they're touching the ball, and then through that and a couple other formulas, we'll find out uh, how well they will do this upcoming year. Uh, not without its faults, but of course only the best fantasy football experts um, reach like a 60% uh, success, success ratio. Yeah. So we uh, hope to be one of those, and, and we'll see at the end of the season where we stand. Uh, that said, uh, a lot of this stuff is comparing our ranking to the average ranking of all the experts on Fantasy Pros, and that's how we're determining if we are, think they're overvalued or undervalued, right? Exactly, and that's kind of what we'll break down today. But uh, like we started last week, I enjoyed that. We'll talk about just the top ten guys uh, real quick, You know, a, a couple thoughts on them. And of course, we broke them down into tiers again. Um, now, this is kind of like a rough chop with the tiers. I, I picked larger tiers, and I didn't uh, think too much about it. I wanted to kind of just get a, a snapshot of what I thought about him just for like a few seconds. So our sheet leads off with Odell Beckham Jr., Antonio Brown, and then Des Bryant. They're my tier one. Is there anyone else who you think should be included in tier one, Dave, or do you see those three guys as sort of being ahead of everyone else? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that, uh, with that particular tier. Now, I think that Julio Jones, for example, should be up in that top three, but the reason he's not is because he doesn't perform at a, a stellar uh, uh, rate every single game like some of those guys do, um, based on the way that we rank players, right? Um, but situationally, you know, he looks good because of things that are happening in Atlanta. Yes, So for absolutely. me, things that are happening this year that haven't happened yet, which is difficult to rank... Um, so yeah, I mean, it, I will. I'll go with you on those three guys. I think all of them have a chance to be the number one receiver in the NFL. Definitely, and a really good chance. I think a lot of you know any of the top ten has a chance, in my opinion, because uh, circumstances can be so much different by week six that you know certain guys can just be way ahead of everyone else. So uh, in our second tier, uh, I put Demarius Thomas, Calvin Johnson. Julio Jones, uh, Mike Evans, A.J. Green, and Randall Cobb. So Mike Evans had a really good year last year. Um, he is a really big guy, and he's... Yes? Uh, you know, <laughs> he, he was... Uh, Words are failing you because a he's big such red an amazing zone threat. player. <laughs> right, he's a big red zone threat. We were talking about this yesterday. Uh, we made a bet on this earlier in the year. Um, you know, you think he's going to score fewer touchdowns this year than he did last year? I don't know. I... I think that, that Mike Evans is a bit of a statistical outlier based on the situation in Tampa Bay. They really only had the one guy to throw to. Vincent Jackson was sort of underperforming. They didn't have a good quarterback all year. They were in the first uh, 
uh, throws of like this Lovey Smith madness uh, that's <laughs> not ever normally known to be a good offense. It was it's tough for all of them, and Mike Evans was kind of that uh, shining beacon of light out of out of the darkness. Yeah. You know? Well, he's very talented, so that helps. And uh, the fact that he d- isn't always going to be double covered, they don't always pay special attention to him because lining up opposite him is going to be Vincent Jackson on every play. Right, and, and that's the problem, though, because uh, Vincent Jackson, his numbers may go up this year, for example. And certainly, uh, Jameis Winston is an upgrade, even though he is a rookie, over uh, Mike Glennon or Josh McCown, at least uh, according to the numbers that we have. Yeah, and I think that, you know, you, you throw away that first preseason game that Jameis Winston had. Uh, he's, you know, looked much better than that first game. And I think that as a rookie, quarterbacks go... Um, you know, they don't draft guys, number one, because they don't know what they're talking about. You well, know. we can only go with Mike Evans as far as what we saw last year. And even if you give him a slight regression from his stats, he still is one of the top ten guys, I believe. So Absolutely. That's uh, that's what happens there. I mean, I, I, I am not a huge proponent of taking him when you could take a guy like A.J. Greens or Julio, or Julio Jones or uh, T.Y. Hilton. Uh, but it depends on the people in your draft. Right, where they're taking their guys. That's the most important thing to always look at. Uh-huh. And I think that, um, so T.Y. Hilton lead is number 10 on our list. He's actually top of the third tier. But I could totally see putting him up into that second tier. Because I do kind of agree. Like, he is, you know, a lot closer to Randall Cobb and an A.J. Green rather than Alshon Jeffrey and Jordan Matthews. Yeah, the issue with Hilton is that they added Andre Johnson. They have... Uh, other threats on their team, uh, like Dwayne Allen, they also have a, a big, huge running back in Frank Gore, and they just have a lot of weapons. So it may be that because T.Y. Hilton was one of the only guys that was a real powerful weapon on that team previously, he was getting uh, an inordinate amount of receptions uh, based on that. Um, that said, I, I don't think so. I think I think Luck's offense will continue to climb, and, and T.Y. Hilton with it. All right. Um, any thoughts in Denver with Demarius Thomas? I was watching the Denver uh, game yesterday, and Demarius Thomas, uh, I remember why he's so awesome. It's not because he has Peyton Manning. That, that helps. But remember, he was also awesome when Tim Tebow was his quarterback. So I don't think you can get more polar opposite in terms of how good a guy is at throwing the ball than that. But he's a good receiver, yeah. So uh, do you think that he deserves his number four spot? The, the ECR, for once, actually agrees with us. It's one of the very few players that are... Uh, right there on target. I like Thomas. I think he's a great receiver. I'm not going to draft him. Again, that's just because of uh, situational things. I think that Peyton Manning is on his last legs. He's a very old quarterback. I think that uh, they're going to run the ball more this year than they have in the past. Um, and so I don't think that maybe he he won't live up to his really, really high expectations. Mm-hmm. Even if he does, uh, remember last year he was very slow starting uh, and, and did much better towards the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, or at least to the middle of the season. He made up for it. When Peyton Manning was just throwing crazy games. Yeah. Um, but it's it's hard for me to, to pick a guy with a really old quarterback. It just is. I can see one of the problems with uh, picking up Demarius Thomas, when, if you're worried about Manning, is that uh, unless Manning gets seriously injured or something like that, he's going to play all year even if he starts to struggle. I can't see a situation where Peyton Manning allows himself to be benched you know, by week 10, if Don't he was really struggling. Uh, I mean, I suppose you're right. They're going to have him out there because this is his last chance, maybe, to get to the conference uh, championship or to win a Super Bowl, right? I, I would assume so. I mean, I don't think his contract goes beyond this year. 
So look, there's maybe always, he'll go to the Jets like Brett Favre did. He's <laughs> he could just keep playing forever, but it would be stupid. Like he wants to win this championship if for no other reason than just to have the same amount of rings as his brother. The worst thing that could possibly happen to him is that the Giants win the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> he would never be able to catch up. Manning would have serious, <laughs> serious issues with that, you know, and just drown himself in a sea of Papa John's. But uh, there, there are uh, in a sea of Papa John's money. There's certainly, you know, something there about Peyton. Still, I'm not saying that he is not a good quarterback. Uh, he is, and he does very well, and he does good things, and he has great receivers. I just, I always have trouble trusting guys that are too old or too young or too beat up. So I tend to be more consistent in my picks to find the guys that are uh, a little more proven and a little more consistent. Alrighty. Um, Although, so, let's be honest, Demarius Thomas is consistent. One of the guys that I know that you have enjoyed uh, picking was is A.J. Green. Like, I've noticed that during most of our drafts, you're talking him up. Now, I have to ask you this t- difficult question, Dave. Are you talking him up to try to get other people to pick him? Or do you actually think A.J. Green is going to be... Uh, really good this year. Well, I've taken him in several leagues. I mean, he's a guy who's going to have the vast majority of targets on the Bengals' offense. Uh, say what you will about that offense, but it is productive, and A.J. Green has always been good. Even when he was injured last year, he still put up decent numbers. And, uh, you know, that's that's a guy who has fallen because of his regression last year to the second round. And when you can get a second round, like, probably end of the second round pick in an A.J. Green that is a guy that could still perform top five, I think it's something you have to jump on. Um, whenever a guy has a statistical regression due to an injury or due to a situation, then I tend to target them in the following year because people will not be very happy about them or not want them. That happened to me with Foster last year, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens with... Uh, that worked out pretty well once Foster was playing. Yeah, it happens with a lot of guys. Uh, and now, granted, the the flip side of that situation is that uh, Cincinnati Bengals defense could struggle I mean offense could struggle Andy Dalton might uh, you know not play as well as he normally does but but it's not going to happen right Andy Dalton will play as he always does Andy Dalton will be Andy Dalton that's one thing that we've learned and uh, their running game has improved so it takes a little pressure off the uh, passing game so he should be just as good if not better than than he normally is right they're not going to drop down to like Dallas level passing numbers where they were only throwing it 28 times a game you know they're still going to throw it a lot um, they're still going to be down in you know maybe a third to a half of their games and need to score points to come back my complaint with AJ was always he only has a couple of routes. You know, he goes down and left, down and right, or straight, and that's all he does. He, he can do straight fade left and fade right. That's what I mean. Yeah. Uh, regardless, uh, that's all he really needs to do because he can grab those balls. and he takes the top off the defense, but, like, better than most, and he's able to, you know, maybe he'll start learning more routes, and that would definitely improve his production. Well, that's why I like him. I mean, he doesn't match up to Beckham Jr. or Antonio Brown or Des Bryant. He's not as good as a, a freakish athlete as Calvin those, Johnson. Those three guys can do can run any route. Yeah, and he's not going to get as many targets do. as Julio Jones. Um, he's not going to get as many red zone looks as Mike Evans. Uh, but he'll probably perform just about the same as most of those guys. So that is my explanation. Uh, I think he's a value pick in a time where people are a little down on him. That's all. Cool. Um, so is there anyone else in the top ten that you want to talk about a little bit before we... Dive into uh, the meat of the evening's conversation. Well, I think now that um, that Randall Cobb's injury has uh, 
sort of he's been saying that he's going to start on week one. Now, of course, you can't count on that happening. But yeah. saying he does start on week one, people are still going to be a little bit too high on him, overhyping him because they think that he's going to take uh, some of that, uh, you know, Jordy Nelson stuff. But he's not. Randall Cobb is not that guy. He's not Jordy Nelson. He never took the Jordy Nelson stuff. Someone else in that offense will get it, or it will go to Eddie Lacy. So if he starts raising up even higher on uh, on draft boards, then I say avoid him. Uh, you think Randall Cobb is going to move up draft boards again? He keeps moving up the draft boards along with Devontae Adams because of the absence of Jordy Nelson. Right, right. And I totally agree If someone with reaches for him, then you can't really take him. And Devontae Adams is not going to take Jordy Nelson's role either. Uh, yeah, that's I will we'll we'll get to him in a minute. So just watch out for that. I mean, I'm saying take Randall Cobb, sure. That's fine. I don't I don't, don't have take a him too with early that. though. But don't take him too early because he's not going to suddenly be like amazing and now he has to deal with the, you know, uh the number one corners and stuff covering him. All right. Well, it's time to get another beer. Cheers. So, uh, we've got some undervalued wide receivers that we'll start with. Uh, So, these are the guys that we rank a lot higher than their ECR, which is the expert consensus ranking. Uh, It doesn't mean that we say that you should take them at the spot that we're telling you that they're ranked at, because obviously, uh, if everyone else is valuing them a lot lower, then what you can do is wait a little bit. Take them a little bit later than where our rankings are, but a little bit earlier than where the ECR or the ADP might be. Um, So... Without further ado, the first guy on our list is Percy Harvin. He is ranked 38 on our rankings. His ECR is 59. So that's a separation of positive 21, which is a huge value. That means that we think that he is a guy who probably should be taken as a WR4 or maybe a WR5. Um, And in most drafts, basically, he's not even being drafted. Because he runs, he receives, he's he's a dual threat, and he scores a lot of points when he's out there and has the ball. Correct. When he is playing and when he has the ball, he is very exciting. His upside is huge. He has maybe the highest ceiling of all of those very late-round guys. Um, But you worry about the injury risk, but I don't see it as a risk. If you're taking him as the last guy on your bench, uh, then that's a totally valid move. Some leagues you may just wait and pick him up on waiver wires, but it's very possible that he has a big game one and he's snatched up on the waiver wires right away. Um, but if he does have a big one or two games, trade him right away. Because, you know, the odds of him getting injured are greater than others. And you'd feel awesome if you traded a guy who had two good weeks and then he got injured right away. Well, I'd rather have a guy like Percy Harvin than a guy like Cordero Patterson, for example. Uh, because Harvin's already demonstrated that he can do some stuff and is not completely inconsistent. Um, and the Buffalo offensive line has improved. Uh, they have LaShawn McCoy and Sammy Watkins that are both studs. Um, and regardless of their questionable quarterback situation, he's still going to be a guy that's able to find some open spaces because of the of the great talent that he has playing next to him. Well, they're going to design plays to put the ball in his hand. Yeah, and he has McCoy and Watkins. Right. And so it's not like he's struggling to be you know the, the number one receiver or has no help in at running back or uh, doesn't have a good coach. You know, like there's there's a lot of good things lined up. Nobody else in Buffalo is really uh, clamoring for. 
touches. It's not like Robert Woods is way up there, you know, on everybody's list. No, he's he's the he's the only other fantasy relevant guy really. Robert Woods may have, but there's a lot of issues with him this year. Uh, I think Harvin has moved into like that number two position. So uh, so we'll see. And do you think Tyrod Taylor, uh, because he was the name the starter, right? Is Correct. He, he's totally unpredictable. I mean, for us, we rank him like number thirty on our quarterback list. He yeah. could, he but could, we don't really have any pass to look to base that on. Yeah, he could he could do well. I mean, I do like when quarterbacks have uh, a history, a couple seasons in the league, and he was the backup for Flacco for a while, right? He's been a backup for five years. I believe all those were, yeah, for Flacco. I do tend to like that more than just having a guy come in and try to be the quarterback of the future because that way this guy was able to sit back and learn and play lots of preseason, play lots of scrimmage, see the main quarterback plays game. Uh-huh. You know, so I think maybe he has an advantage there. That worked for Aaron Rodgers pretty well. Well, I wouldn't go calling Tyrod Taylor Aaron Rodgers. True. But uh, (laughs) it does look like he has some good legs and can pass the ball. Although, the last preseason game, it looked like every Buffalo quarterback was playing for their life. Uh, Yeah, and they all passed. (laughs) I guess, yeah. Uh, So... So we do like Harvin, but to to draft him on your team is tough. I mean, that's a, definitely a, uh, a flyer pick. It's probably as a like not a, necessary. Maybe if you're in a deeper league, you'll be taking him late. But yeah, like he's going to be available on waiver wires before the season starts. Well, he's ranked 38 for us, which means he's probably like a wide receiver 4 or 5. Uh, if he's a wide receiver 5, then you're still drafting 5 wide receivers even in a standard league. Yeah. So it's someone that you would take as a flyer pick, and if you lose him then it's not the end of the world, but because we do value him high, we wanted to uh, let you in on that little secret. Exactly. So Martavis Bryant of the Pittsburgh Steelers, we have ranked at 21, down from 12. So don't think that we're uh, just throwing him up there uh, at certain places. We really, really like this guy. Um, So he's ranked 21. His ECR currently is 38. His ADP is a lot higher than that, so you need to pay attention to that. Um, his ADP is actually uh, 28. Well, the ADP will always lag the ECR because By the, ECR. The, the experts, experts will update a lot quicker. Well, and experts, us included, then uh, we are the, the the things that determine where those people draft via ADP. So it's like this moving line that the other oh, ball. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So if if all of the experts uh, you know change their rankings and put Martavis Bryant at 50 for whatever reason. Then in a couple weeks, the ADP will be approaching 50. That's just how it's going to happen. Sure. And there are only, like, you know, 10 days left before the season starts. But I think a lot of uh, drafts are going to be happening between now and then. Well, we like you said, we did rank him at 12, moved him to 21. So so explain why uh, he, he dropped so much and well, then why he didn't drop so much. Bryant is a guy who we do like, but unfortunately he's only going to be playing 12 games this year at the most. Uh, because he failed a series of drug tests, not just one, and he got a four-game suspension, which was upheld by the league. So that's it. He's out for four games, the first four. Um, so I suspect he may be trying to get traded to Denver or Seattle, where his uh, you know habits are much more acceptable. That's very funny, sir. So uh, I think he's just a immature. Uh, you may say to yourself, right? He's <laughs> missing four games. Why is he still up at twenty-one? First of all, uh, you know. Bryant, he, he's he's going to score a touchdown almost every other... No, every third time he touches the ball. That was his rate last year. That is just absurd. Even if it drops to 
one in every four or one in every five, he's still scoring touchdowns twice as fast as some of the best players average over his career over their careers. Right. He's he's the red zone guy and the long uh, outside pass guy in an offense. That That's is, a deadly combination for scoring touchdowns. That is dominated by Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. So the opposing team can't really be covering Martavis Bryant because they have yeah. too much else to do. Right. There. He's not. This, this guy, who we like so much, who averages 3.59 fantasy points every time he touches the ball in standard scoring leagues. Um, so, you know, there's still a better wide receiver on his team, uh, which is saying something. And it doesn't matter. That That's the reason why we have him ranked 21, even though he's going to be gone for four games. Because last year he only played 10 games. If this year, say he doesn't get suspended, which I'm... If, if there's another problem with Bryant, I mean, I guess it's going to be that he has some uh, maturity issues, and he's not really stepping up to the plate here, uh, especially considering uh, in order for him to get that suspension, he had to fail a, uh, a marijuana test four times. I mean, that's that's pretty crazy. Uh, you would think that a guy that's, that's in the NFL and has a chance to be one of the superstars... When I heard that, I was like, come on, dude. Yeah. Well... <laughs> I mean, you've got lots of guys like Justin Blackman and Josh Gordon and other guys who can't handle it, substance abuse issues, whether it be alcohol or marijuana, uh, you know, run somewhat rampant in the NFL because those guys work so hard they need a release. Uh, I'm not going to get more into that. But I think that regardless of, of whether or not he plays 10 or 12 games again this season, mm-hmm. uh, as long as he plays, he is easily draftable as a wide receiver three on your team. And if people are ranking him right now as they are, uh, at 38, that's putting him at 4-5. So if you can get him at an ADP of 28, which is the current ADP, and that's sure to drop a little bit for your draft this weekend, if, for example, you have one this weekend, then I would jump on it every time. As soon as he comes back in the game, uh, your fantasy football team is going to go up like you know three sizes that day. <laughs> Last week in the preseason game, he had three catches for 138 yards and a touchdown. That is the type of stat line I expect to see out of this guy. He, he also caused two uh, uh, defensive pass interference <coughs> calls. That'll just get him on the field more. Yeah. What happens when next year Martavis Bryant has better stats than Antonio Brown? And they're the number one and number two wide receivers in the league. Nothing happens. The Steelers win the, the Super Steelers Bowl. The Steelers win the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> if they can keep him there, I mean, there is a reason why they drafted Sammy Coates. There's a reason why they've been talking up Marcus Wheaton. It's because they know that Bryant has some problems. And, and look, if the Steelers, uh, if any team was able to get him straightened out, it would be the Steelers. And the fact that he failed four tests in a row, that tells me that the only reason that he is still playing on that team is because his talent is out of this world. Right. I totally agree. And he's got as much talent. I mean, he is like Antonio Brown, maybe not as well disciplined running routes and uh, off the field for sure. Uh, but he's six foot four, where Antonio Brown is five foot ten. And when you're playing football, size does matter. Well, you remember the Steelers haven't had a big uh, offensive receiver since uh, uh, Plaxico Burris. That's it's been a while, and Plasco Burris won won them some games, some important ones. Won them a few important games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and then went on to be like a, a misfit and shot himself in the leg, and you know. But th- I guess they have a habit. sense of theme carrying on here. They're, if they're if they're taller than six two and they're fast, then that means they have to be like some bumbling idiots or something. I don't know. I don't know about that. I, I don't know if Mart- Martavis Bryant is a smart guy or not, but I'm gonna guess no because I don't understand why you would do this to yourself in your second year after being so good in the first. Well, I I don't know. So I, we'll assume that the suspension is going to stand, but still we're we're taking him. Well, uh, it was already appealed. It was it's standing. Right, right. Well, you had just like thrown it out there that he wasn't going to be suspended. No, or were I didn't. you just doing a for instance? No, no, no. I, I was I was actually saying maybe he won't play twelve games because he'll get suspended again. Oh, well, okay. You went the other way. Look, if you're if you're doing that and you're sort of laughing in the face. Of the NFL's protocols, and you're not doing what they tell you to do. I mean, I don't see a bright future for you. And I hate to say that they're not going to put up with that. Shit. I like especially the Steelers. the Steelers, and they'll release him. And like that's terrible, and it's it's it would be terrible for me as a fan because I love to see them. And I am always a little down on Steelers players because I never want to be a homer pick. You know, I never want to be in there and, and take somebody where I shouldn't. Uh, so I've actually been kind of almost avoiding him. Because I feel like he's in a really bad situation. I'm but, proud of all my friends. Nobody's taken Jay Cutler this year because they're because they're Bears, <laughs> they're Bears fans. Yes, right. Well, so uh, we we live around the Chicago area, and we do see oftentimes a whole lot of Chicago Homer picks. I'll tell you this year there there were not too many of those so far. So I did good for us. What that means is we've we've dragged our friends into fantasy football land enough where they're starting to be a fan of the players and not the teams. Sure, and that's what, you know, that's the way I look at it. I'm a fan of the whole league at this point. Yeah, and Graham from the chat room brings up a good point. He says they put up with Bell's drug stuff too. Now, granted, this drug stuff is just a little bit of light marijuana usage, which is really not a big deal in America. It's only a big deal in the NFL, this private organization that has these rules. But I'll tell you, I still think... I still think he's stupid for not going along with that when when he can do all of that stuff later and right now worry about his football game. Yeah, I mean, I don't know like how often they make you take the test. Like if you fail four drug tests and they're like on consecutive days. No, it's it's uh, increasing in frequency. However, after you fail one. Oh, okay. I would imagine so. So it's like he can't just have a mistake. I can't imagine that you would have failed one of them knowing then that you're going to have more frequent drug tests and then continue to fail future ones. I believe the deal by the way is that like if you fail one you get a fine, if you fail another one you get a bigger fine, if you fail a third one you get suspended for two games and a fine, and if you fail a fourth one you get suspended for four games, two more games basically. And then if you uh, I think if you if you do it again then you just like get suspended for a year. Like Josh Gordon yeah, well, granted. Remember that there is no, uh, there's no, uh, nothing is is firm saying that Bryant isn't just going to screw up again and you know be out sure. for a year. Just it's up to him to not screw up. Be like Gordon and just waste his talent away, you know, and not play by the rules. So I think we both definitely hope that this is not a Josh Gordon situation. Yeah, he needs to to straighten up and fly. He should right, be the. You know? He should be the next Martavis Bryant, not the next Josh Gordon. <sighs> okay. Yes. <laughs> So, but, but the point is, if, if he does okay, which we should give him the benefit of the doubt, he is very easily draftable above his current ADP and ECR, and we would recommend that you take Martavis Bryant on your team because even if he plays eight games, he'll still finish in the top 20 receivers. All right. 
So uh, next up is Jeremy Macklin. He's uh, ranked 14, and his ECR is 25. So he's a positive 11. Uh, last year was his best year of his career, uh, obviously. But I don't think that you should read too much into the fact that he's no longer with the Eagles. Uh, obviously, it was the first year of Chip Kelly. I do. They had a big thing. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I guess my point is that uh, don't think that Chip Kelly got rid of him because he's not any good. No. Chip Kelly has a very specific idea of what he wants his team to be made up of. And Jeremy Macklin just wasn't one of those guys. Yeah, guys didn't want to pay. Exactly, that's a big part of it. Andy yeah. Reid, however, uh, knows that his team needs a real wide receiver, and he knows how to use a real wide receiver. All those years that Deshaun Jackson was awesome in Philadelphia, and Jeremy Macklin was kind of backing him up, now it's going to be only Jeremy Macklin with Andy Reid. Uh, Macklin had a great uh, third preseason game. He's been doing pretty good throughout the preseason. Uh, in the first half, he had seven catches on seven targets of the third preseason game. So I fully expect Jeremy Macklin to outperform his ECR by a decent amount. Last year he was a top 10 guy. He can certainly do that again, even with Alex Smith. Though I wouldn't... I don't think he can I, be I, would, I would put him towards like 12. I don't think he can be a top 10 receiver with Alex Smith. However, I do agree with you that I think he can be better than he's being drafted at. And uh, Alex Smith is not a bad quarterback. He knows how to throw the ball. He just didn't throw the ball to any of his wide receivers. The wide receivers were so bad on that team. Right. And you have Jamal Charles, and you have uh, Travis Kelsey, and, and those guys are going to get a whole bunch of passes, and that's going to open up the passing game for Macklin, and Macklin, uh, in counterpoint, will open up the uh, game for, for Charles and Kelsey. Right. It's going to be like the three-pointer attack of the tight end, the wide receiver, and the running back. So their offense should be as good or better than it has been in previous years. Alex Smith has to just figure out a way to get the ball to each of those guys and they're going to do great things for Kansas City. Yep. Um, so Jeremy Macklin uh, as a high-end WR2 is where I look at it. He's being drafted as a middle WR3. And uh, take him, you know, wh- where's he probably going? I still don't think he's going to score that many touchdowns which is the real issue because last year he scored a bunch of touchdowns and he had a bunch of yards. So that really brought him up and made him such a valuable receiver. Now, on this offense, I think the touchdowns are being scored by the other people on the team. Uh, so Macklin is going to break the streak and score some touchdowns for the wide receivers. He's going to break the streak in week one. Yeah, well, maybe. I'll bet on it. That's okay. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a weird bet. <laughs> Jeremy uh, Macklin has a receiving touchdown week one? I, I don't know. There's not a whole lot of strategy there for me. Not it's at just all. kind of a flip. Because I think that basically, you know, maybe he'll have six or seven touchdowns. Okay. But I don't think he's going to go crazy and have and suddenly be like you know exactly where he was last year on the Eagles, you know where they chuck the ball a lot and and they have all these plays and it's just a different offense. I still think he could have 143 targets because who the hell are they going to throw the ball to? Travis Kelsey and Jamal Charles and Jeremy Macklin. They can't just throw the ball to two people. No, they throw the ball to three people. Right. So he'll still have uh, over 130 targets. I don't know, maybe. Uh, Alex Smith is really the key component here to the, to the problem with Jeremy Macklin. So if you believe that Alex Smith can give him the ball, which I do, uh, you know, a lot of those passes to Dwayne Bowe last year were good passes, and Dwayne Bowe just wasn't able to... He got tackled on the one a few times. To get them, yeah. He should have had a couple touchdowns. Uh, there were a couple in the red zone. There were a couple outside the red zone. There were a couple long passes that Dwayne Bowe dropped. It's really Bowe's fault uh, just as much as it is Smith's. So I... I'm with you. I think Macklin is being undervalued. I agree. And that's what our stats say, and that's what we think you should go with. 
This place has class. So Vincent Jackson, he's ranked number 20. He has an ECR of 27. Uh, that's a positive 7. Not as huge of a gap as the rest of these guys, but uh, I still want to bring him up. You know, we talked about his counterpart, Mike Evans, a little bit earlier. Um, so Vincent Jackson has had over 1,000 yards in his last six full seasons. He had one season where he was out with injury, but you know he would hit 1,000 yards anyways. Uh, so he's 6'5", 241, which I think is about the same size as Evans. And, you know, he's those guys are much bigger than any other defensive back that they're going to be playing. He's a badass and had terrible quarterbacks. Well, he had Phillip Rivers for a while. No, no, I mean recently. Oh, yeah, he had to deal with um, Josh Freeman and Josh McCown. And Mike Glennon. Yeah, it, no, nobody's been doing him any favors. I would guess that Jameis Winston probably has the best pedigree of any quarterback that he's played with since Phillip Rivers. Yeah, and, and so I think he'll do really well. And that's that's what I was talking about Mike Evans earlier, too. Mike Evans, some of that production will probably end up going back to VJAX because he was last year just sort of uh, trying to figure out where he was in this offense, and I think he had a couple of lingering injuries during that time, although I'm pretty sure he played most, if not all, of the games. Yeah. Uh, regardless of that, uh, th- they're a, a good tandem because they're both really big receivers. Uh, we compared them a lot last year to Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey on the Bears, uh, which is unfortunate for both teams. Uh, I think that uh, <laughs> I, I think that uh, that Vjax and uh, Mike Evans will will do just fine, um, and I think that Vincent Jackson is being drafted a little lower than he should go. Yeah. So I think that's a, a pick that will be uh, good for people. Now again, uh, I have a problem with drafting these receivers that uh, are with rookie quarterbacks. So that's with my only issue. Is it, if I can pick sure. someone else who's similar in in uh, in you know. Uh, consistency and someone that I would take around that same area, then I wouldn't take Vjax just because he has Jameis Winston because I haven't really seen him yet. That's why, and and I'm not taking that first preseason game against Minnesota, uh, you know, too much to heart. <laughs> it's just that I, it's not like I would take, uh, um, you know, Kendall Wright too high or something like that with Mario Ta because I I agree exactly with what you said, but I still have an issue with rookie quarterbacks. That said, he's going to throw to Vincent Jackson, right? It's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen a lot. I, you know, last year, both Evans and Jackson had basically the same stats. Receptions and yards were, you know, within spitting distance of each other. It was the touchdowns that set them apart. Mm -hmm. Jackson had like two. Evans had more than ten. And you got to remember, you got to remember now that Evans is going to be covered a little more in the red zone because people of are going to know he's there. So Jackson might have a spike in touchdowns because of that. Sure, I, I I do expect the touchdown totals to even out a little bit, and you know you're going to find that where guys are being drafted in the same kind of spot as Vincent Jackson, um, you're going to get the best value with Vincent Jackson. Like a guy like Jarvis Landry is being drafted right before Vincent Jackson. And I would rather have Vincent Jackson in a standard league, absolutely. Hands down. Because Vincent Jackson has uh, the potential to have 20 yards per catch the whole season. He's done that multiple years. Yeah, the issue with that is is choosing between the offense of the Dolphins and the offense of the Buccaneers. Remember, uh, I, I understand they have... I don't think that you're choosing between those two because the talent of one of these players is clearly much higher than the talent of the other. Sure. Well, I mean, Sammy Watkins is one of the best receivers in the NFL talent-wise, but you don't draft him up too high because 
he is uh, on the Buffalo Bills as their number one receiver. Right, and I'm not talking about a big separation. I'm talking literally one next to the other. Like you're taking one after the other. Yep, looking at ADP, that's tough. Uh, so uh, so I think Bjex is, is a decent pick. I, I just temper your expectations. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not going to suddenly be an amazing offense. It's this just is true. It's just that Vjax and Evans are those guys that are going to catch the touchdowns for them, and they will score. They're going to have a majority of the offense on this team. Well, there's Doug Martin, and it'll be fantasy relevant. The, the players are starting to sort of pile up, but the problem is they're on this Lovey Smith offense, right? Um, I mean, they have it's, they have Austin Safarian Jenkins, they have Mike Evans, they have Vincent Jackson, they have Charles Sims and Doug Martin. Those are all guys that have been talked about at one point or another as uh, people that could be fantasy breakouts and fantasy studs, uh, or have been. So uh, it seems like they have the equation together to have an amazing offense. If Jameis Winston is the missing component to this and they're suddenly like a playoff team, I would not be completely off my rocker surprised. I would be. I mean, I would probably fall off my rocker. Okay. Like not not really fast and not in a think about like the super surprised way and look at the defense. I mean they're they're doing pretty well. Their defense got drafted in our draft. <laughs> that's a you know that's a decent sign. Uh, so last guy on our undervalued list is Terrence Williams of Dallas. He is ranked forty four. He has an ECR of fifty one. That's a plus seven. Uh, so thus far, Williams has been a very late round draft pick. Um, Basically, people's afterthought for their bench depth, a WR5 to WR6 for the most part. So you've taken him in a couple leagues. I think I took him in one league, and that was just this past weekend. Um, he is on an offense that lost the best wide receiver, or running back last year, and they don't have anything to replace that. He, he's already playing with Des Bryant, and Des Bryant uh, gets such a volume of work that it's hard to increase that very much, to send more work his way. So... Terrence Williams, in my mind, is the guy who's going to fill that void more uh, than any other one player on the team. Well, I think that's a good point. I think uh, Des Bryant is going to keep doing what he's doing, and uh, the variance in his work is very little from year to year now because he's one of the top receivers in the NFL, and you don't get much better or worse unless you get injured. He had 90 catches, like 145 targets. Like He's going to get a lot of downfield passes, so his uh, reception rate is going to be a little bit lower than other guys like maybe Antonio Brown who catch it all over the field. You touched on the running backs. You've got Joseph Randall and Darren McFadden and Lance Dunbar. And whether or not they sign some other veteran free agent, it doesn't really matter. Uh, well, it looks like they're not going to. <laughs> right. But looks it, like nobody's going to, you know, in the near future. Fred Jackson and Ahmad Bradshaw are two guys that will probably wait until after week one to be signed to a team because then the uh, salary for the year is not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed. Nope. Okay, so that's the only way to not. That's why teams are waiting. Yeah, so those guys that are that are pretty good still, like Pierre Thomas, Fred Jackson, and Mont Bradshaw, those three running backs, I guarantee you they're signed somewhere okay. during the regular season. But don't expect them to be signed in the preseason or uh, before week one because, just like I said, uh, then they don't have to pay them for the whole season. If they do end up getting injured or they're not as good. They can cut them and cut their losses. So what you're saying is it's about business. It's all about the money, Jason. It's about business. This is purely business. So about those running backs, there they are going to have uh, you know a committee of some sort. And so I agree with you. Romo's going to throw the ball more, and Williams is going to have 
a good time with it. Cole Beasley is also a fun little pick if you're in like a super deep league because he seems like a little uh, Wes Welker kind of character that's going to get a bunch of passes every game but not really score touchdowns. or. He's anything. like a deep league flex in a PPR. Yeah, that's fun though. Oh, yeah. I love having those like random guys that nobody expects to do well, um, you know, perform above expectations and uh, win you games. Yeah, if you're just tuning in uh, here again, we are... Uh, Dave and Jason from Drink5.com doing the Fantasy Football Podcast for the wide receivers in the preseason 2015 NFL season. We're excited about uh, the drafts this year coming up and where it is right now, September 1st. Uh, Jason and I both have, uh, I think, three more drafts? Yeah, three more drafts. In the next week. So my favorite league that I'm in, um, you know, I have a 1A and a 1B. This is 1A coming up on Sunday. It's going to be a really big one. It's the... uh, uh, the Jameson Invitational, I guess you could say. Uh, after that, what do we have? I surely had no part in the naming of that. None at all. You have no responsibility. <laughs> um, we have a draft tomorrow as well. Uh, and then we have a uh, FSWA League draft next Tuesday night. So we will be drafting right before coming on the air next Tuesday. Yeah, shout out to Graham here who is going to be joining us, I think, flying in from Florida on the backs of Angels. Uh, to take a really terrible fantasy team because that's just going to happen. It's going to be that uh, you know post-flight hangover. I'm sorry. Sometimes it just doesn't go your way. Uh, <laughs> regardless, that's a funny league for me too because I generally do pretty well in my fantasy leagues. And that league, I've been in it every year and I've never made the playoffs. You're and snake that, bitten in that league. That really bothers me, uh, especially because I've had good players. So I'm trying to figure out what it is that I'm doing wrong or if maybe... You know, the, the world is just dead set against me doing well in that particular league. Which, it could be any of those. I think 50-50 is the odds uh, of one of those being the situation at mm-hmm. hand. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what else we got, man? I'll tell you what the world needs now. He likes to cheers, this guy, across from me, I'll tell you. Drink five. Well, we didn't do a drinking game tonight. I'm drinking. It's a game. We can make it a game. All right. Stone go-to IPA. We picked this Cheers. up for last week's draft. Yeah, this was for the uh, Drink 5 draft, and we didn't uh, drink it all. So we have a few more for tonight. Well, you know, it's a good thing if we don't drink 24 beers in a couple days. So, Right. <laughs> I mean, we you may or may not, but it's great when they last for a while. So that's the end of our overvalued receivers. You can uh, go to Fantasy Pro's website. Uh, or our website and get a handy little chart that you can sort uh, the one that I've been working off of and it's our rankings and the ECR and the ADP and you can look at where we're different from everyone else because you know that we're going to give a little bit better advice than everyone else yeah this is the idea Uh, and we do have articles all throughout the year so check those out as well and and follow us on uh, Twitter at Drink5 and also on Facebook Drink5 Network and we are on Stitcher and iTunes where you can download and or subscribe to our podcast and uh, I think you were mentioning overvalued wide receivers. Those are my favorite to talk about, actually. Oh, cool. You like the overhyped people. Because you're Team Lannister, aren't you? Well, there's, there's two <laughs> reasons, right? One reason is because you, uh, you really think that like, these people are going to bomb and they're going to... What do they call them? Uh, uh, there's guys that are sleepers. You know, there's guys that are targets. And then there's guys that are just... You know, they're... Uh, the wrong thing. Do to not choose. draft. Yeah. What What is the word you would use for that? I, I don't know. Come I, up. Come up with the word. You got. You got one second. Bam. Go. Grenades. I'll call them grenade. Grenades. Um. Uh. Fart knockers. They're I don't know. piles of poo. <laughs> 
But it always comes back to the... Uh, They're dirty diapers. The, you want to avoid them at all costs. The defecation, like, right. you know, excrement. Sometimes you have to deal with them, and they're pretty shitty. Excrement is what comes up when we talk about these. Landmines. I see, there we go. From the chat room. Thank you, Graham. Landmines is what we will call them. So when you step on, for example... You realize that you're giving away this anonymous internet person's identity. I'm sorry? <laughs> you're giving away this anonymous internet person's identity. Uh, all right. So uh, so when you step on Andre Johnson, for example, it's a landmine, right? Oh, that's a good way of putting it. I would agree. Uh, Andre Johnson, his rank is 35. His ECR is 16. So the experts have him way the hell up there. Uh, Andre Johnson's ADP is also 16. So everyone is, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid, if you will. Well, let's give him pros and cons because I can see both sides to this. All right. So... He had a little coming back to earth, right? Last year, he wasn't that great. Uh, he has regressed in his last three years. So even if you say, all right, he's regressing because he's getting older, but he's moving into Andrew Luck's offense, I say we give him a wash. He also had issues with terrible quarterbacking at the end of his career. Yeah, but he's getting older, man. He's been around. He's been in the league for 11 years. So I don't think that he's going to be uh, improving on what he did last year. He's going to be a guy who is a mid, who is um, you know, the second guy, the second option on the team, but not. I'm sorry, the second wide receiver on the team, but he's not going to be you know, huge a huge part of the offense in my mind. Well, you I see th- it differently. I, I think he absolutely improves on last year. He had terrible quarterbacking last year. It was one of the worst quarterback experiences for Houston like ever, um, and. Uh, well, in the previous year, they just it was not very great for Houston the past couple of years, in general. And Andre Johnson is a guy who, yeah, he's getting he's getting older, but you still see him out there getting big touchdowns, red zone targets. Uh, you know, I still think that's going to happen for him, especially on this kind of an offense. I must disagree with one of your points. He is not a really big touchdown guy at all. He's only scored. Um, 12 touchdowns in the last three years, two touchdowns the year before that. Yeah, a, a receiver that, that has gotten tons of passes per game, so a guy who gets like seven passes per game, uh, racks up tons of yardage and receptions. Exactly, exactly. And he, he did, uh, I mean, hell, he's got five seasons over 100 catches. Well, he's the possession receiver for the Colts. So, I mean, you have to in, like sort of increase his production. It would be silly. He had 146 targets and 85 receptions last year. Yeah. Look, his yards per catch may increase a little bit, but he was only 11 yards per catch last year, only three touchdowns. No, what I'm saying will improve is is the amount of good passes thrown to him. You said 146 and 85. That means that there were like 60 passes that 60 were thrown that to him that he didn't catch. catch. Right. Or that were thrown back. That'll be a better, you know, that'll obviously be a better percentage. But that doesn't... You know, they, that'll end up taking away from the overall targets. Yeah, yeah. So I agree with you. I think he is being overvalued for sure. Uh, I had this decision between him and uh, and someone else, uh, Amari Cooper. I think I was choosing between Andre Johnson and Amari Cooper, and I chose Amari Cooper because although Amari is a rookie, uh, Andre Johnson is, like you said, an aging receiver who moves from wide receiver one to wide receiver two uh, on an offense that's really good, so it has a whole lot of other options. Uh, Houston at the time only had Arian Foster and uh, Andre Johnson with sort of a fledgling DeAndre Hopkins. Right, and basically it boils down to he's being valued too highly. He will not, in my mind, finish in the top 20. And, 
you know, you need to let someone else uh, see what happens with Andre Johnson in, in Andre Johnson in Indianapolis. There's way too many similar syllables in there. Well, I mean, you could just say it's a Colts tongue twister or something. Okay, you could say Johnson on the Colts. <laughs> <laughs> but you know you, you should write my script for me. You can you can make <laughs> things hard for yourself if you'd like to. You know, I I like syllables. I think words with a lot of syllables are interesting. I like DeAndre Hopkins. He has a a fun multisyllabic name. Yeah, he also likes uh manbags. Yeah, <laughs> if anybody's watching um Hard Knocks, uh I'm interested. I'm always interested to watch this show and we've seen all the shows up till now and there's one uh, tonight. I'll probably catch after the show as well. And uh, there's some funny guys on Houston. You know, J.J. Watt is a trip. This guy, Easy is really funny. Um, I, I think that Cecil Shorts is, is one of the funnier guys in football. Uh, I know Arian Foster is, is kind of a laugh, but they're not featuring him at all since he's... Since he's uh, injured. He's injured he's in a way. He's probably not even around. Yeah. yeah, he's away from the team. Uh, and uh, the funny thing is, I don't really know if DeAndre Hopkins is a funny guy, uh, but... He did. Uh, he did talk about the possibility mean, fun, funny like a clown of having a little Yorkie in a man bag. So, <laughs> would you guys judge me? We need to get some hard knocks clips on here. <laughs> so, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, now, mind you, we're not saying that uh, these guys are necessarily bad. We're saying that they're overvalued. So, DeAndre Hopkins, we have him ranked at twenty-four. His ECR is twelve, so that's a negative twelve. Well, most of that it's is based gigantic, on his performance yeah. over the past two years with bad quarterbacking. He's done and, well over and, the past couple of years, and though. behind Andre Johnson. Look, there's a lot of good wide receivers, and I think that DeAndre Hopkins can definitely uh, has the talent to be in the top ten. But now he, like you have said, you know he had bad quarterbacks. He still has a bad quarterback. Yeah, I, I agree. Again, I agree with you. I'm just saying, uh, although our stats may say that he's ranked 24, I do think that taking him a couple spots above that is certainly fine. Uh, we're ranking him poorly because of the fact that he was uh, the WR2 on a team with a bad quarterback, and his stats relay that information. Even though he was a really good receiver, he gets those hits because of the situation he was in. There's in like I said, there's a lot of good receivers. But so you're right, Brian. Twenty four Ho- is still good. Brian Hoyer's not helping him. Exactly. <laughs> so I don't think that he should be drafted at an ECR of twelve. Um, his ADP is fourteen. So people are taking him right around there. Let someone else pay too much for DeAndre Hopkins that um, is not as guaranteed as you may think it is. I think Hopkins is going to be one of the best NFL receivers probably of the next five or six years. However, that doesn't necessarily uh, begin this year, especially with Brian Hoyer. Houston has to find a quarterback first. They need their... Uh, who's the third guy there? Uh, Tom, Tom Savage. Savage. Yeah. yeah, Not until Tom Savage starts. He honestly would probably be a better choice, but he's a little rough around the edges still. I don't know. I don't know how... Teams get to the situation where they're choosing between Ryan Mallett and Brian Hoyer. It's a pretty shitty situation. Yeah. Well, that's the Houston Texans. They concentrated so much on drafting defense that they haven't drafted. You know, I don't even think there's been a whole lot of good quarterbacks drafted since, uh, you know, Andrew Luck. Yeah, well, they had, uh, you mean quarterbacks in general? In the first round or so. Uh, well, we might see how these guys do this year. They're both uh, supposed to be pretty decent, although I think that next year is another one of those years where the quarterbacks will be drafted that are good. Uh, the past two years were pretty much wide receivers and running backs, 
not really all about the quarterbacks. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. So moving on, uh, Devontae Adams, uh, ranked 31, ECR of 23. Uh, so that is someone who people are taking uh, as like a uh, strong to mid wide receiver three. And that has moved up a lot since uh, it, it really has. since Devontae Adams was first in uh, the draft. And, of course, that's due to Jordy Nelson being injured. The problem with that is that Devontae Adams, his uh, production does not directly correlate to Jordy Nelson's. Uh, not at all. So it, just because uh, he is a guy on the Packers that will be a part of this great offense, he is not a guy that suddenly moves into Jordy Nelson's positions and takes his targets. So the fact that he was moved up so much is a little bit, uh, I think, walking before we can talk. Uh, it, what's really going to happen... The is before the horse. Yeah, what's going to happen is that those targets will be divided up between uh, a guy like Jeff Janis or Ty Montgomery and Richard Rodgers and more carries by Eddie Lacy yeah. and uh, James Starks and backfield. And that's just what's going to happen. Th- those targets are not going to be spread around. Not all of them. Some of them are lost because Jordy Nelson is not there. That's a good point. There's just some that aren't going to be recovered. Even though, you know, I know that they're talking about uh, running more plays and stuff like that this year. They don't need to run a ton more plays if they're incredibly efficient on every play that they run. Well, they just are trending towards uh, the, the new way that this is going is is try to upset the defense by, by going super fast and not letting them set up. That's what you know Philadelphia is doing. That's what the Steelers are doing. No huddle offenses. Copycat league. Running things faster. And that makes it so the defense has no chance to set up and try to figure out what play you're running. Yeah. So uh, when Adams did get the ball in pre- last year, it was underwhelming to say the least. He didn't impress you know that much. I don't expect, like you said, him to take over for Nelson in any uh, fashion. You know, just because he's uh, in the starting lineup every day, you know, doesn't mean that he's going to be Jordy freaking Nelson. And he's I mean, a that rookie. guy was a top five wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, he was a rookie. He could take a step forward, but he's still not going to be. Taken oh, and over. he's he's got a huge step forward. Like he's just outside of a WR three in our book, which is a guy who you're starting every week. Yeah, um, he's he's now a flex play. On an sure. offense that, you know, if you're playing a bad passing defense, then it's a good guy, a good bet to score at least, like, probably 70 yards on a couple of receptions, if yep. not several, uh, and a chance for a touchdown. Because Rodgers is that good, regardless of whether or not he has Jordy Nelson. Right. And this weekend, especially when you're drafting, uh, the, the, the Devontae Adams hype will be at its highest, is my prediction. So stay away from him. Let people draft him way too early. That's what I was saying earlier, yeah. If you want to take a flyer pick, then take take a Janice or Montgomery and hope that you make the right decision. Way later, yep. Uh, so, uh, Jarvis Landry of the Miami Dolphins. His rank is number 42. His ECR is... His rank in our rankings. His ECR is 28. That's a negative 14. Um, we actually uh, have updated our rankings, but not put them up on uh, Fantasy Pros yet. Um, but yes, he, he has moved up a little bit to 42, but he is still far too overvalued. Um, you know, you may say, hey guys, you love Jarvis Landry last year. What's the deal here? Uh, and it's true, we were talking him up a whole lot, um, but we always gave the caveat of, you know, he is valuable in a PPR league, you know, almost exclusively. He was a rookie last year. Yes. So that's an amazing performance. Yes. He also, uh, the news is that he's going to have more red zone targets, etc. 
Uh, however, I mean, we can only go off what has already happened. And because they did get guys like uh, Jordan Cameron and Kenny Stills and Greg Jennings, and they got all those guys on their team because they wanted other people to throw the ball to to score touchdowns. They want a high-powered passing offense. So, no doubt, Landry is a huge role in this offense. He's probably the number one receiver, but he may be more of a possession receiver uh, and less of a guy that, that actually is able to get open in the red zone. When you have a guy like Jordan Cameron, uh, you know, or a guy like Kenny Stills running the depth of the field, you're not probably going to be targeting a Landry over the middle. Yeah, so a couple things I noticed about Landry when I was doing a little research on him is that in uh, two of the seven games when he was targeted eight or more times, they won, which means that when he's getting lots of targets, they're losing the game. I think we can generally agree that Miami has improved their team. They improved on offense and defense. They're going to be better than they were last year. They're going to lose fewer games. They're not going to be down and playing garbage time with Jarvis Landry. So Landry is also going to lose looks to Cameron, to Stills, like you said, because last year it was, especially for the second half of the year, it seemed like Landry was the only viable receiver on the team. Mike Wallace would show up here and there. But Landry was the only guy who was always around. Well, it works both ways, though. If you look at Landry as a guy like a Steve Smith player who's a decent athlete who he might use anyway, regardless of the other threats, because his position will be opened up from the outside threats, from the you know sideline threats, from the running back threats. So okay. there is certainly a possibility here where Landry is a guy that scores touchdowns and does get as many or more receptions. Uh, but but I, I tend to be with you in thinking that uh, Landry, according to our ranks and according to what we think will happen, will probably end up uh, uh, around the same production as he had last year. Um, and that's that's about what he's going to get. Yeah, I mean, he had 84 catches last year. He was a rookie. 85, 90 catches this year. He only had nine yards per catch because a lot of his routes were short. He's in the same offense. He is, had, he is the same quarterback. That aspect of his game isn't going to change all that much. They are both getting better, though. I mean, one of the things right. about the Dolphins that I like is that every single person on the Dolphins seems to trend up in a, in a you know upward direction every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least those guys, they don't trade away. Uh, <laughs> and I kind of like Greg Jennings being added in, too, as a veteran, because that'll only help these younger guys. They have Devontae Parker and Jarvis Landry and Kenny Stills as their wide receiver core. And Greg Jennings, as a veteran, may end up taking a few third down looks from Jarvis Landry. Sure, and he's not viable as a as a redraft pick, but he's no. gonna he's gonna be good for these guys because he's a he's a great receiver that was at one point valued as one of the best in the game with Rodgers, and he can teach them a lot. So Jarvis Landry currently is being drafted as a WR three in standard leagues. That is uh, far too much value than you should be giving him, and. Just hold off on him. Like the rest of these guys that we just talked about and the overvalued uh, players, let someone else reach for them. And then when those people get disappointed, uh, you can trade for them and get good value off of them because they're frustrated with the player. They just want to get rid of them. <laughs> uh, so um, moving on from the overvalued and undervalued players, are there anyone else who you wanted to touch on uh, who may be over or undervalued? Oh, sure, there's a ton. But no, not this time. Okay, so one of the uh, things that we've looked at in years past is uh, third-year wide receivers, but also what we looked at, what we saw last year, was that a lot of second-year guys because can also have big breakouts. People are now being, uh, you know, they're just schooled better in high school. They go to better programs in college. They're ready to play in the NFL. 
when they get here, and we've started to see that. As a rookie, we're seeing wide receivers in the last two years come and break out and be better than the majority of those guys that are in the NFL and have been for years. And so you talk about a second-year guy. That's a guy who did well or could do well and now has the experience, at least for a year, that he didn't have before, so he should be better, right? You should always be better after experience without injury. 100%. I agree with you. Provided you are the kind of person who knows how to learn. <laughs> so, uh, last year's rookies uh, was one of the most impressive wide receiver classes, I would say, that we've seen. I think it's easily the most impressive that we have seen. Okay. Uh, there may be better classes in the past, but since we've been following and running the website, the best we've seen. The best we've seen in the last four years, for sure. So I want uh, each of us to give uh, just a couple of brief thoughts on each of the rookies from last year who are going to have a major role this year. Uh, starting off with the the guy, Odell Beckham Jr. Dave, do you think that he will continue his um, his rate of prolificness, I guess? <laughs> I, I think that uh, that most guys that have that good of a season tend to regress slightly the next year, simply because he's now on tape. People can see what his moves are, etc. That yeah. How do you defend catching it by your fingertips while you're falling into the end zone? Almost everybody can catch <laughs> uh, a one-handed pass if they're a receiver in the NFL that have big enough hands. That's a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. People do that JJ all the Watt time. JJ Watt does it. It's really just uh, you know the, the guy's a, a super athlete, and no one expected him to spring out there and do this. A lot of that has to do with Eli Manning, too. He's got a good quarterback, a seasoned quarterback that can place the ball in his hands anywhere in the field, uh, and he's getting better, which is scary. Odell Beckham Jr. should uh, be somewhere near where he was last year, but again, a rookie that comes in and puts those kind of numbers up, I will always give him a slight regression. Okay, uh, we talked about uh, Devontae Adams already. Um, Do you think that... uh... Well, I think we both agree that he is definitely going to have a better second year than his first year. Um, sure. If only because he's going to see all this extra work because of no Jordy knows. Yeah, he's not a bad player. No, I, I think he's going to be good. So Mike Evans, um, uh, we talked about him a little bit earlier. Uh, just yes or no, will he score the 10 touchdowns? We keep bringing that up. <laughs> I have no I have no idea. Okay. Um, we talked about Sammy Watkins a bunch already. Uh, but do you think that with Tyrod Taylor, his production is going to be able to go up or down? We only really said that Sammy Watkins is a good receiver, not like what his production would be like, etc. Sure. Uh, I don't know where he's ranked in our rankings offhand because I don't have them uh, easily accessible. Slamming Sammy? I'll uh, give you that. But regardless, uh, he is one of the best receivers in the NFL on paper uh, just because of his measurables and his experience last year uh, showed us that if he is in contention to have a pass, uh, to receive a pass, he will get the pass. That's one of his best features. If he goes up for a, a, a pass, he's just going to grab it. He's going to pull it down. It's his. Nobody can take it. So Tyrod Taylor is not an amazing thing for him, but certainly isn't like massively worse than a Kyle Orton as and a quarterback. And EJ Manuel. So, I mean, really his stats should, should stay the same as they were last year. Uh, he was in a bad situation with quarterback. He'll probably be in a similarly bad situation, but he's getting better. Okay, so we do have him ranked 23. His ECR is 24, and his ADP is 22. So I think everyone in the world kind of agrees with uh, Sammy Watkins' value. 
So Dante Moncrief uh, in Indianapolis, he's a second-year guy. Uh, where do you think he fits in in their offense? Is he the slot guy, the third wide receiver? Is Hakeem Nix going to get more work than him? I don't think he factors in too much. Uh, he didn't factor in that much last year, I don't think. Um, the problem is that they have they have Dwayne Allen, they have Andre Johnson, they have T.Y. Hilton, uh, they have uh, Kobe a, a good running game, they have Fleener. I, I just don't think there's room for Dante Moncrief to suddenly be good. He's, I think, 22 years old, so he's got plenty of time to become something good in the NFL, but it's not going to be this year, not with that many people. They're going to be trying to win the Super Bowl this year. They're not going to be thrown to 22-year-olds. Yep. Uh, Dante Moncrief doesn't even make our top 80. Uh, so Martavis Bryant is going to be entering his second year when he finally comes back, week five. Do you think that uh, Bryant is going to be able to cement his position as the second guy and they're going to stop playing all these uh, games, talking up Marcus Wheaton and stuff like that? Well, it's not really a game. All of last year, even during Martavis Bryant's good uh, performances, Mar- uh, Marcus Wheaton still had 50% of the snaps. I mean, they, they literally want to split those guys always. So you think that um, regardless of what sort of production he can put up, they're going to keep uh, splitting it the way that They it will is. keep him fresh. They will keep him, uh, uh, the defense, not knowing when he's going to come in and out. Uh, they will not make him an every-down player. As long as Marcus Wheaton is able to uh, be a decent possession receiver, they will keep switching them back and forth. That is what the Steelers' plan is, and that will only change if it, Martavis Bryant becomes the best receiver in football or fails six more drug tests and gets released. <laughs> okay. But his, his stats should uh, have a slight regression from last year, extrapolated, just because they're, they're so high. Right, and we sort of f- figure that in yeah. when we rank him. Right. Uh, so, Jarvis Landial, I will ask you one question. Will he be the top receiver in terms of yards uh, on the team at the end of the year? Again, that's a tough decision to for me to choose. Uh, well, I wouldn't ask easy questions here, Dave. I think Parker and Stills are going to are gonna go back and forth a little bit. Oh, we didn't even mention Parker earlier. Yeah, we talked about Devontae Parker. Oh. Earlier in the... In the not in the... Uh, you might have. Yeah. I, I wasn't paying attention. Well, that's that's ridiculous. A little bit. I am right here. Well, you know, I mean, I like <laughs> Devontae Parker. I took him in the Dynasty League. Well, he's, he's been injured and he's behind and eventually he'll be a good part of that offense. I'm yeah. just not sure when. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that I think that Landry will be very good, and I think Landry will uh, lead the receivers in yardage. Yes. I I just I don't see Jennings or Stills or Parker suddenly or or Cameron suddenly you know getting 1,100 yards in that offense. I don't see that. Right. Uh, so Jordan Matthews is in Philadelphia. That offense looked incredible this weekend. That's Matthews with two T's, Jason. Two T's. Uh, the other Matthews with one T, also on the team, but he's a running back. That's right. So Jordan with two T's. Well, Matthews with two T's. Uh, do you think that he can... Uh, no, I'm confused. Well, I'm <laughs> confused myself as well. I mean, what, what does he look like this year? Is he a top 15 guy? Uh. Well, they've uh, put him in as the number one on the team. Jordan Matthews is a guy who can play outside. He can play slot. He can do whatever. He's got a big body. He's a, a fast, nimble guy. He showed his experience uh, and flexibility in the position. Uh, I think he'll be the top receiver on the team, along with Nelson Aguilar. 
Uh, Aguilar is a rookie. We already kind of know what Matthews can do. So I think Matthews builds on this. He's one of those guys where I don't give a regression to. In fact, I give an increase to because the offense is increasing. They they have, uh, you know, they're going to run more plays. They, they have more wide receivers. They got a, a new quarterback. They keep building and building over there. And you could say... That, that taking LaShawn McCoy off the team, for example, was a mistake, or taking Deshaun Jackson off the team was a mistake. But I don't think so. I'm kind of buying into what Chip Kelly is doing over there. Yeah. And uh, he's getting new talents. He's getting good guys that are well-rounded, that can run routes. And he's putting a receiver that has a big arm in there. And he's got one of the best running backs from last year on he's his team. He's got a bunch of running backs who can catch the ball out of the backfield. They can easily be... All three of them are great threats out of the backfield. They are easily offensively one of the best teams in the NFL. And uh, if he's able to keep this up and nobody gets injured, then I see them making it you know, a, a game or two into the playoffs, which would be, I think, the farthest that Chip Kelly's ever gotten. Uh, and the crazy thing is this is a team where... The age, uh, you know, the average age is so young among the offense that it could last for three or four years. He's building a dynasty. Yeah, you know, that is what he wants. He doesn't want there to be a whole bunch of old guys on the team that have to be paid more or have to leave or retire. He wants a bunch of young guys that he can build off of, make a great team, and have them for three years before he has to change anything. I think he kind of... um not a student of Bill Belichick, but looks up to Bill Belichick. And, uh, you know, Bill Belichick went he, to Chip Kelly satisfied. for advice when Chip Kelly was in Oregon. I'm sure that Chip Kelly, you know, was in awe at the same time. Uh, so John Brown is a second-year guy. He is one of the best touchdown dancers uh, that you will see in the league. So do you think that he will get many opportunities to perform his dance better than Victor Cruz? No, it's time for you to start answering these questions. So John Brown, uh, you know, he's on Arizona. There's some, been some issues there with Michael Floyd and Larry Fitzgerald. Is John Brown the answer? Is he a guy that steps up big this year? Uh, and what does he end up being, a wide receiver one, two, or three? Um, I think John Brown can easily wind up being a WR3, and that's saying that he's going to kind of... He's already a WR3. He's already a WR3. Okay, well then I'll upgrade that there we go. to a WR2. Because Bruce Arians loves to throw the ball deep. John Brown is a fast guy. He can catch the deep ball. Carson Palmer can throw it. And, I mean, hell, that's why he got Carson Palmer. Bonus you know? question. Does Carson Palmer remain healthy for the entire season? Uh, I have to assume so. <laughs> why? Just because? Just because. All right. <laughs> uh, Jaguars have Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns, and Marquise Lee. Marquise Lee has recently fallen behind even the third wide receiver, so that's a little tough for him yeah. to swallow. It's mostly the Allens. But but Lee is like a really good physical, measurable, you know, receiver, so it's it's hard for me to drop him. That said, uh, that's my dynasty league, not yours. Uh, <laughs> Allen, Allen Robinson uh, is a number one, number one wide receiver on that team, and Hearns is uh, kind of a number two guy. Uh, they don't have Julius Thomas for the first four games. And their running back situation is fluid. Um, Blake Bortles is looking better. So do Robinson and Hearns really benefit? Do they become guys that are studs for these first four weeks at least? Um, and who are they playing? I, uh, who does as, Jacksonville play? As far as the schedule is concerned, because I know I'm not sure. there's a lot of opportunities for targets. You know, at least in Someone's got to catch them. Cecil Shorts, cheers, didn't, you know, isn't around anymore to take those. But Allen Robinson is actually one of those guys who we have uh, overvalued. Um, 
you know, he's ranked 40 and his ECR is 26. So um, one of the big issues that I have with him is that he is under Blake Bortles. And Bortles is improving, but uh, we haven't seen it yet. And that's one of the biggest problems. So, so drinking so, for my Cecil shorts. So you don't like the Jaguars, then? I do like the Jaguars, Dave. I bought a Cecil Shorts Jaguars jersey. I cannot wait for it to come in. I'm Newsflash. so excited about it. Cecil Shorts is on Houston. I don't care. This jersey <laughs> is way cooler. Yeah, Houston's jerseys kind of suck. I'm not a Houston or a Jag. I would say I'm more of a Jaguars fan than a Houston fan, that's for sure. Well, I like Bortles. He threw some touchdowns last year. Uh, but but granted, uh, you know our rankings say what they say. So these guys are a little overvalued. Jeff Janis on Green Bay. He is a bigger, faster version of Jordy Nelson. He was a seventh-round pick, I believe it was two years ago. Ty Montgomery, who is the other possible guy who gets some of that role from Jordy Nelson, was a third-round pick, I think, last year. Um, and he is not looking that well in measurables, uh-huh. but he seems to be a more dependent target. So does Green Bay go for a guy like Janice that is a guy that could be better than Nelson in theory, but maybe doesn't catch those when he needs to? Or do they get, take the more dependable but not as good uh, target in Ty Montgomery? Or is it all a wash and none of those guys are of any value? I think that they're going to give all of them a decent try. And whoever... Um Sure, you know, no, performs the best. This is this is politics. I mean, we don't want politics. You tell me. <laughs> you it, tell me which one is, is Ty Montgomery better? or Jeff Janis or Richard Rogers? Who who gets the majority of the production that that was lost by Look, the one thing that I feel like you can do is teach guys how to catch the ball better. You can practice that and get much better at it. You can't you can make him taller or stronger. You can't make him taller. You can't make him faster. <laughs> so I think that Jeff Janis is going to be the guy who emerges from this muddle Com- as you know the more viable target. Completely agree. Uh, you've got a guy that can run the field like like Nelson and, and run the route and, and, and catch those passes that Rodgers can thread between the needles. Right. When you're a bigger guy who's faster, you can run the route better. You know? It's just going to be that way. Uh, Josh Huff, uh, not our buddy from high school, but the wide receiver in Philadelphia. Um, he is a second-year guy. That's a crazy offense, but they drafted Nelson Aguilar. Uh, do you think that he has any value to that team outside of being uh, a kick returner? Yeah, Huff will get some wide receiver uh, you know, snaps, but he also splits with guys like Riley Cooper, and he's going to be competing for passes on the field with guys like Ertz and Selleck. So although Huff uh, earlier in the preseason had a little bit of hype behind him as a guy who could run maybe outside routes or, or be someone that, that could be someone, I don't, think he, <laughs> I don't think he is. I think he's a younger guy that will eventually take that wide receiver three role on the team, and that's fine. And it could eventually prove to be like the Steelers or the Packers where that guy is like a wide receiver four or five on your team. But for right now, I think he's undraftable. Uh, so... Now let's skip to the uh, third-year guys. Uh, we'll hit these really quick. So existing third-year stars are like DeAndre Hopkins, Terrence Williams, Keenan Allen, Kenny Stills, all guys who have made a name for themselves and are expected to already have a big role on their team. So the guys who are kind of behind who need to break out, Cordero Patterson, can he uh, make a name for himself or is he kind of done with being fantasy-relevant? I think he's done. He's done. Okay. I agree with you. Uh, Justin Hunter. I think he's done. What do you think? I think he's done. Okay. Marcus Wheaton. 
He is now the number two guy. He didn't have a big year last year. He has another chance this year. Yes, a big chance. Uh, does he get over 1,000 yards? What did he have last year? Ooh, there's no way he was close, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, they had a very productive offense, and he was on 50% of the snaps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, last year he had 644 yards on 53 catches. Okay, so he gets closer to that. Um, I, unless, uh, barring injury, I think Wheaton will have uh, uh, every chance, again, to prove himself to be what Roethlisberger thinks he can be, which is a standout receiver in the NFL. And if Roethlisberger and Tomlin and the Steelers are right, and Wheaton and Bryant are both standout receivers for different sort of roles, then that means that the Steelers are an unstoppable force. <laughs> what happens when they meet the immovable object? Seattle? I guess it would be Seattle. It would have to be. I don't know. I mean, we okay, look, there may be a defense this year <laughs> that surprises know. us. It may be Houston. Minnesota, Tampa Bay. But I don't think that Houston as a team is going to be good enough. You know, their defense couldn't possibly be good enough to stop these juggernaut offenses right. enough that you know, 14 points a game is going to be enough. I don't want to give Marcus Wheaton too much credit. I, I think he'll maybe improve on his stats from last year because, again, I mean, he's only played for a couple of years his first year. He was sidelined the entire season with an injury. Uh, so we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But he is a possession receiver after all. He is not going to be a guy who scores 10 touchdowns, and we can't expect him to. But what he is is inching up into playing on your team in a flex role. Yes. Okay, so Marquise Wilson in Chicago... Uh, does he have a chance at uh, taking Eddie Royal's spot? You know, after he uh, comes back from his injury. Marquise Wilson is hurt again. I hate the Bears receivers. Uh, Elshon Jeffrey is hurt. They won't tell us a timetable. New coach John Fox has decided that he's the black hole of injuries, just like Belichick, uh, <laughs> and he won't tell anyone anything about anyone. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Jeffrey is like if everyone out- is healthy when the team. No, I, I would think it'd be the other way. The other way? I mean, Jeffrey hasn't even been seen around the field wow. at all. He's not, I mean, people like Wilson and, and, and Royal are at least, you know, they're rehabbing, they're on the field, they're running sprints, you know. Uh, Jeffrey's not even there. Like, they're not telling us anything. That said, uh, if Wilson and Royal have to run the offense, and even if Jeffrey is healthy and they're the one and two, uh, those guys are not skilled enough to be amazing receivers. The only benefit you're going to get out of that bunch is Royal being, uh, you know, the possession dude. Um, Maybe he'll be good in a PPR league. Maybe he's a wide receiver three or something. But honestly, if... I just don't see Marcus Wilson suddenly being an amazing receiver for no reason. Yep. So Robert Woods and Aaron Dobson, do they have any roles on their team other than, like, bench? Is there news on Aaron Dobson? Not that I'm aware of. I thought I saw something the other day. Anyway, uh, he was called Dropson for a long time. He's a very talented, like, athlete. Him and Kembrell Tompkins were, for a little while, going to be maybe the standout receivers of the Patriots. And then Edelman stepped in, and people that actually knew how to catch took over. Uh, Patriots don't really know how to take wide receivers lately as they you know grabbed Reggie Wayne from the dead and they have Danny Amendola who is also starring in some kind of zombie or vampire movie I mean it's almost like it doesn't matter who they have it doesn't matter as long as they have Gronk and Brady right and Edelman is is huge 
And Edelman is a really big. Important and Brandon player. LaFell is apparently you know injured and won't even play for a long time. Yeah. So Aaron Dobson had been injured uh, with a hamstring, and then he had a really bad third preseason game. There was speculation on Roto World that maybe he was playing for his job. No news after that. Uh, well, that was from the 29th. Okay, so I, I, Dobson is not valuable at all in any league. Robert Woods is not valuable at all in any league. Yep, um, agreed. So all those guys, with the exception of Marcus Wheaton, in my opinion, uh, are guys that you can easily ignore. Avoid. So um, I think they'll be more relevant rookie quarterback, r- wide receivers. So we've got Amari Cooper. He's in Oakland. He's got David Carr, who's improving. Derek Carr. Derek Carr. Not David, his brother. Um so I, I like Amari Cooper. He's going to be drafted in all leagues. He's going to be starting. Cooper's a standout. He'll be a top twenty wide receiver as a rookie. Wow, that's, that's not that's not exactly a lofty thing. I, I, you know, you're right. You're right. You're right in that it's not lofty. I just uh, don't know if I've heard anyone predict it that high before. All all the people and you know all the scouts, everybody thinks he'll be the best rookie receiver out of this class. And uh, and I don't see how that would not be top twenty as a WR one when there are guys like Dwayne Bow playing as WR ones. Yeah. So Devontae Parker in Miami. Do you think that he's a guy who isn't gonna uh, see the field much early in the year because they've got all these new toys to play with? And well, he, he first needs is, to be healthy. Right. And he's been hobbled. And he hasn't really practiced most of the preseason since he's a rookie and they have weapons. They're gonna use him in. Right. Uh, Nelson Aguilar. He looks like he's going to be thrown in to the fire, right? Is he going to be starting opposite of Jordan Matthews? Yep, he's the outside guy uh, mainly, although from what I've heard from Chip Kelly's uh, you know crew and all the beat reporters there in Philadelphia, they're going to be doing some weird switching uh, where like Matthews will sometimes play outside and Aguilar will sometimes play inside, and they're just going to be running things that nobody knows, and it's going to be crazy. Now, as long as the players on the team know which side is right, which side is up, uh, <laughs> everything should be fine. In fact, they should destroy other teams because they're doing college shit. I mean, they're doing they're doing stuff that you can't do in the NFL, and they're making it work. For now, we'll see if uh, like we'll see if it becomes a real thing, which it seems like it might be because a lot of teams want to copy that. It's a real thing. Up tempo thing. They've been already been. But remember, a the team. Wildcat seemed like the smartest thing for a while. The Eagles have already been a winning team with Chip Kelly for years, for two years, and now they're even better looking. Yeah, well, this is like maybe the first year of like one hundred percent full on Chip Kelly, well, where like the, the almost the entire roster is something that he has built. Dude, you're looking at a trend, and those people that didn't buy in, he kicked them off the team. Oh, 100%. So They're gone. <laughs> this whole team is his now. I, I don't see anywhere they go but up at this point. I, I That guy is going to be looked back in history as one of the game changers in the NFL. Cool. Uh, I'm glad that we get to watch it. So, Brashad Perriman is in Baltimore. Uh, he was a little banged up. Is he going to be uh, relevant in fantasy this year? Absolutely. He has an injury, but it doesn't really matter because once he plays, he's the number two guy outside Steve Smith. And uh, the number three guy is Kamar Aiken, who's someone that no one's ever heard of before. They have no one outside of those guys in depth. They have uh, you know a quarterback that can sling the ball, and they have Mark Tressman as the OC calling the plays. So Perryman is going to get a ton of targets along with Steve Smith all season long. 
Okay, uh, so Devin Funches is a guy whose name has come up a lot. He is a little banged up right now, but because Kelvin Benjamin is now out for the season, uh, his name has been uh, tossed around as the number one wide receiver in Carolina because they got nobody. Um, do you think that he is, you know, going to do well this year? I mean, Funches has a uh, hamstring injury, I believe, and the hamstring is something that can nag them, you know, for the entire season, if not for a whole career. Uh, I don't think that he's going to suddenly be healthy uh, as a rookie. They're calling on him to do too much, and I don't think he can succeed where Kelvin Benjamin did in the previous years. However, he will still get a bunch of yards and a bunch of touchdowns when he's playing because Cam Newton is a very mobile quarterback. The Panthers are a quality team that made the playoffs last year and won a game. Yep. And there is no reason why you know an offense like that is not going to be able to make use of a really tall guy in the end zone. He's just not as good as Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin, right. it, was, it was very lucky for them to get a guy like that. And they will be much better next year when he comes back. So Doriel Green Beckham is in Tennessee. He's got Marcus Mariota. As his rookie quarterback, you know, they brought in two rookies. They kind of hope for this nice kind of synergy, like what Cincinnati got with A.J. Green and Andy Dalton. Um, I don't expect it to be the kind of fireworks in the first year that those two guys had, but um, I do expect them to play well. I expect Green Beckham to, you know, be on the field most of the time, and uh, he may be worth a flex start, uh, you know especially during the season when you're worrying about buys and all that kind of crap. He's a big guy. I know some, some people that, that we know like him uh, as a as sort of a flyer uh, in draft. Sean Foss is a big fan. But I don't agree with that. I think he's a project receiver, kind of like Sammy Coates for the Pittsburgh Steelers, where you're a big guy, you're a fast guy, you, you should be able to catch the ball and make a difference. But uh, I think that Tennessee would rather play those more consistent receivers with a rookie quarterback. So we'll see. Kendall Wright, and uh, I forget, is it um, like Harry Douglas? Uh, Harry Douglas is there. And Hakeem Nix. Hakeem Nix is in uh, Indianapolis. Well, whoever the other receivers are on the team, I think they'll they'll go more, towards, Hunter. more towards the veterans than they will Green Beckham, although, of course, they'll rule him out there and give him a chance. I would just I'd be really surprised if he actually becomes a fantasy-relevant player this year. Right, he's a guy to own in... Uh, uh, dynasty leagues, but yeah. not in regular leagues. Yeah, he's a big dude. We're talking redraft here. So, uh, uh, Philip Dorsett and Jalen Strong. Uh, Dorsett's on the Colts. Uh, Strong's in Houston. I think that Strong has a much better chance of being fantasy relevant this year. Uh, if you're looking at these two guys, Dorsett is uh, behind, you know, a, a decent, a couple of really good wide receivers. So he's not going to get as many looks. Jalen Strong is going to be the second guy. Yeah, I mean it's strong and shorts. Uh, strong and shorts. And and yes, they they should do pretty well. Uh, strong as a rookie this year that had really good performances out on his college teams. I, I've heard really good things about Dorsett as well. Like you said, he's going to be behind a lot of guys, but he's on a better offense than Strong is. Uh, still, I agree. I think that the person who has a chance to actually score points is probably Strong because Dorsett won't really be out there. He won't. He won't have the opportunities, you know, to make things happen, and that's what you need. Yep. Uh, and then a couple of guys who you said are probably projects. Sammy Coates. He's a project guy. Ty Montgomery. He's a project guy. Yeah. The Steelers are. You know, they're not going to have Bryant for a while. Coates is kind of a guy just like Bryant. He's a big, fast guy. He was athletic, 
but they're probably not going to just put him out there and start chucking the ball to him because that's asking for interceptions and miscommunications. These guys really need to be brought into the offense slowly. I would not be surprised if uh, he sits and is sort of a, not even a starter for the first four games. Inactive kind of thing. I've heard that they're going to bring in Darius Hayward Bay uh, instead of Coates as the number three receiver. Yeah, ben Roethlisberger does not run a simple offense. Yeah, they need to have guys that have done this before. They need to have guys that know what they're doing. So I doubt that Coates becomes an immediate player on that team. Okay, well, are there any other rookies or young guys that you wanted to touch on? I can't imagine that we missed many of them. No, I'm good off the top of my head. There are a lot of receivers uh, that are coming out of the drafts recently. Um, Every year you see more and more of these guys that are ready to go out of college. And it's more It's impressive. Yeah, it's more almost about, like, where they land and what the opportunity they're given is than than it even is about their talent level (laughs) from college because... The amount of athletes that there are that come out, you know, out of those schools is just amazing. A lot of those guys don't get the right kind of opportunities or chances, or they get injured and they never make it. So that that's the thing that I always find a little sad. But but there are plenty of guys this year that will perform well. I don't think that this year's wide receiver class will be as good as last year's. I think the running backs are a little better than last year's were. Um, but we're still going to see. You know, running backs are definitely better. We're going to see some amazing talent out of uh, out of the school, out of the class of 2014. 2000, yeah, the class of 2014. No, the class of 2015. Wouldn't they have been guys who were seniors at the beginning of last fall, graduated this year? Well, I mean, none of them graduated for the most part, I would imagine, when you think about it. None of them graduated? What do you mean? I wouldn't say none of them, but I bet more than half of them don't graduate. Oh, I think you're silly throwing a stat like that out there. Mm. I think I think a lot of the draft class graduates from school. Regardless of this conversation, um, don't they graduate from school and then get entered into the draft as opposed to the other way around? Or is no? You're right. I think the they must have graduated this year, so class of 2015, because they they played this year, right? They played the previous year as seniors. Right? Correct. Well, yeah, if they were seniors, they would have played in the fall of 2014. So, class of 2015. So, uh, the next week's show will be uh, September 8th, uh, and uh, we'll cover anything else before we leave you today. But I just wanted to mention that uh, next week we will be going over a week one preview, and we, I think we'll have Sean Foss, our rookie report expert on the air to talk to you guys about rookies. Sure, we'll talk about a few tight ends as well. Yeah, we'll also go over some of the guys that people don't pay enough attention to. So like uh, tight ends, talk about defensive strategies, talk about streaming positions, and of course uh, answer any questions you guys may have as far as lineups for week one. And we'll be also releasing our week one rankings shortly after that. Oh, I can't wait. I'm happy we're doing the rankings this year, Dave. All right. So uh, follow us uh, at, on Twitter at Drink5. Go to Facebook uh, and like us on Facebook. And uh, where else are we? Our website, Drink5.com. I have not. You're better ventured, at the promotions than I am. Well, I've not ventured into the, the uh, depths of uh, such things as Instagram and Pinterest since I have no intern to do that for me. However, uh, I think that uh, the best way to reach us 
uh, is to follow us on Facebook at Drink5 Network or Twitter at Drink5, like Jason mentioned. And, of course, uh, Stitcher and iTunes both have Drink5 Network on call. Uh, Lockdown as a great fantasy football podcast that is weekly at 9 p.m. Central Time on Tuesdays. And look out for our rankings. You can find them at drink5.com or Fantasy Pros. Uh, again, this is Dave for Jason. Uh, anything else you got going on over there, buddy? I'm good, buddy. All right, well, then Drink 5, everybody. Grab a beer. Uh, enjoy the fantasy football season as it descends into chaos. Take a drink, sip